0: Welcome to the Relational Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Thompson, joined by my co-host Austin Hill. Today, we're in part two in our interview with Jordan Fillmore. We hope you enjoy so you're describing something that a lot of people don't think about when they think about someone who's going into addiction, because like if you just like say your story without the drugs connected to it, it's like, oh, you know, I was a really great athlete. I went to school. I'm passing my classes so much that you're not like, you know, you're going to get a degree in your co teaching, just like saying that story. That doesn't sound like the typical assumptions made about drug addiction.
1: Yeah. I would say. Yes, I was, I was functioning fairly well for a good while. I I disguised it very well. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm
0: saying I'm saying that because I want to highlight that there is no typical addiction. Like you can't look at somebody and identify that, like, oh yeah, they'll they'll probably use drugs. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't care. Drug addiction doesn't care.
1: Yeah, I mean, I did that for I did that for a few years. I get into my mid twenties, and that is when um, what the I guess stereotypical. Uh, view of addicts started to take place in my life. Um, I was working in restaurants, you know, going, I was bouncing from job to job. I was uh, starting to really lose weight, show some signs there, uh, breaking a lot of trust in family and other friends' relationships uh, to where, uh, you know, I was. I was slowly slipping into uh this really dark path. Um I lost my job. I had uh didn't really have a whole much a whole lot of future ahead of me. I'd lost my uh, well, to circle back, um so I get to a point where I lose my job, um and as a means of income and supporting my habit, you know, I start the only thing that made sense to me was start selling drugs. You know that was mm. that was the only way that I was going to be able to not suffer physically and financially. Um, and so, a lot of what you talk about, you know, I was highly functioning uh, early on. Well, at this point in my life, it, it's starting to look more and more like what people would view it as. Um, I was using and abusing anyone and everyone I could, uh, I didn't care who you were. It was, it was all about me and and making sure that I was okay. Yeah.
0: So Jordan, I'm asking this because we know each other pretty well. And, uh, we've had a lot of conversations of just about story work or life mapping, like telling your story. Mm -hmm. Um, where do you feel like in that time where, your desire was more about, I think what, what you said earlier was it was an escape. So the desire was to escape. When did it shift to my desire is to go after drugs? Like, do you remember what that shifting season in life looked like?
1: Yeah. So, um, there was some traumatic things that happened. Like I talked about right around the time my parents split up. Um, mm-hmm. I was, 14, I think, um, when my mother moved a woman into our house and basically told me, you know, hey, if you want to be with a girl, you can be with a girl. If you want to be with a boy, you can be with a boy. Uh, And It was very confusing to me. Um, And then there was a friendship that I had with a a kid that was a year younger than me. um, And things just happened in a way that i can't really uh you know looking back on it it's it's kind of blurred because i it's hard for me to even think back to but my first sexual experience was with this kid who he and i both had never even experienced any type of sexual activity we've never even uh had some of those conversations with our parents even Mm. um and i think that was a big catalyst for me in seeking to cover up there was a lot of shame there so much so that you know i didn't talk about it for 12 years and it was almost the point where i had completely erased it um, and Mm -hmm. and at times even forgotten about it um, until i actually came to the refuge and and started to freely share some of that
0: that trauma and, and those experiences yeah, we haven't we haven't uh Wes and I haven't talked much about um human development for lack of a better word, but there's that se- season in life when you just need to be a kid and as a 12 10 12 year old having to be the main caretaker and then being not encouraged but just kind of the door being I guess flung open to have <laughs> those type of relationships with people. It's a pretty fast Transition where we're missing as like kids don't have all the skill sets to be adults. And so when they're asked to be adults, it gets really messy. And so if anybody's like, I guess the the other refuge guys who are hearing this, if you're wondering why it's like, man, I had a really rough childhood. If you actually do the hard work that Jordan has done, and thank you for having the courage to just say it, Jordan. Um, You're able to identify and better identify and then heal from the hurt when you say you have a crazy childhood. Cause sometimes when I, like everyone says they have a crazy childhood, some people's is a lot different. Mine is not as traumatic as the vast majority of people um, that I, that I know in the refuge. Um, So being able to put specifics to the things that happened to us is really, do you feel like that has been beneficial and how you've healed from just I guess since we've just talked about up until, um, you lost your job being able to talk about those specifics, is that giving you the ability to think about healing differently? Yeah. I
1: mean, you know, you brought up a point where I was a child and I didn't have a whole lot of guidance. Um, my parents were more like friends than they were actual, uh, advice givers, you know? And so, uh, I kind of had to figure it out on my own and I made a lot of mistakes along the way. Um, but I didn't really know that they were mistakes. And so as I've reflected and looked back on those times, um, you know, it has, it has given me a much different perspective. It's helped me see, uh, it's helped me show myself a lot more grace. Um, knowing that I really didn't know a whole lot better. And the people that I did have in my life weren't really telling me otherwise. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I think, uh, that's, that's been the hard part it, is, is looking back on it. Cause there's some stuff that, you know, I was ashamed of for a very long time.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Thanks. So, uh, I guess coming back to your story, how did you, when, like, what did it look like the season before, Coming into the refuge,
1: so yeah, um, I was actively using uh, and selling drugs. Um, I was starting to uh, get on the wrong people's radar, if you will, mm. and um, you know, I was I was basically at a fork in the road. Um, where I was either going to slip further into um, selling uh, with getting involved with some people that I'm so glad that I didn't um, or find an alternative route. Um, I had, it was the middle of winter. I was getting evicted from my place. Uh, I had no working vehicle. Uh, Utilities were shut off. You know, it it was just like all these things were stacking up. uh, And I had a family member reach out that knew where I was at um, and basically said, you know, look, you're going to die. You need to get help. Um, And she caught me at a good time because the day prior, I had just overdosed. Um, Mm. And so, you know, I half reluctantly said, yeah let's do it um but it's time uh, the refuge joint had intakes on mondays so i had a this was thursday so i had a couple days to really uh sweat it out and think through it suffer through it honestly
0: thanks for listening to this episode of the relational recovery podcast we'll be back tomorrow with part three in our conversation with jordan Fillmore. we'll see you then